Welcome to the A Catholic Life Podcast. I am Matthew, the author of A Catholic Life, welcoming you to episode 10 of A Catholic Life's podcast. In today's episode, published on the second Sunday after Easter, which is known as Good Shepherd Sunday, I'd like to discuss the following. First and foremost, appropriate for today, is what is Good Shepherd Sunday and why do some people, especially some in the traditional community, refer to this Sunday as Good Shepherd Sunday? Two, I'd like to discuss the Feast of St. Mark, which is coming up this week on Tuesday, April 25th, and which is coincidentally always, or almost always, the major Rogation Day. What are Rogation Days, and what are some ways we can do uh, to better observe these in our own lives, in our families, and in our parishes? And finally, I'd like to give an overview of some of the upcoming feast days this week for this last week in April, days in which maybe we don't often think about these saints, we don't go to Mass often on these days, but their lives really are um, filled with so many different wonders, and especially as we come out of the great joy of Eastertide, and we think, or how are ways we can better live out the faith uh, as a family, as an individual, how can we continue to grow in merits that Lent is now long past? Some of these are great saints that we can emulate. But before we get into that, I would like to thank Meaning of Catholic for sponsoring today's episode. Meaning of Catholic has just recently launched their new updated online store, where they're offering PDF copies of various books, including The Definitive Guide to Catholic Fasting and Abstinence, available in three different languages, including English, The Roman Catechism Explained for the Modern World, and several other books to add to your library by great authors like Timothy Flanders and Kennedy Hall. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out, please visit meaningofcatholic.com backslash shop. That is meaningofcatholic.com backslash shop to check them out today. All of the books are very affordable. Some are just a couple of dollars. All look like to be under $10. Great PDFs to add to your library from a truly wonderful and small publisher. So your support and donations will directly make an impact to other small Catholic publishers like this. So please, rather than give your money to large, big names, support other local Catholics. Please visit meaningofcatholic.com backslash shop. First of all, as we get in today's episode on Good Shepherd Sunday, I think it's important to spend a moment to talk about what is Good Shepherd Sunday. So in the traditional Roman liturgy, today is the second Sunday after Easter, which is in some places known as Good Shepherd Sunday. Now, it's important to notice that I've just said the second Sunday after Easter, and that is due to a difference, really, with uh, the Novus Ordo in the 1970 Missal, how they changed the renumbering of Sundays. They would refer today as the third Sunday of Easter, whereas we refer to it as the second Sunday after Easter. That is the second Sunday after Easter Sunday. So that might be one of the reasons if you look at a calendar, you're like, well, is it the second or the third Sunday? It depends what calendar you're looking at. 
Now, traditionally, Good Shepherd Sunday was this particular Sunday because many different denominations, not just the Catholic Church, read the gospel passage taken from the 10th chapter of the gospel according to St. John today, which is the gospel of the Good Shepherd. And in fact, this was one of the great things that we could do to better talk about actual legitimate ecumenism, bringing together different... um, different groups, different denominations that are outside of the Catholic faith, one of which we could do is return to all things, uh, including the Novus Ordo, having this reading for the Good Shepherd uh, implemented again in the Missal. Now, this Sunday is also called Misericordia Sunday, coming from the first words of the introit, Misericordia Domine, Plene est terra alleluia, that is, Um, As I mentioned in the previous episode last week, all Sundays of the year are really named for the first words of the introit. So this is taken from Psalm 32 with the traditional numbering, which basically starts with, "The The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Alleluia. So this particular Sunday, these sentiments of goodness of God... And we read from the first epistle of St. Peter, talking about how Christ suffered for us and leaving us an example that we should follow. And then the gospel, we see that great example of the Good Shepherd. So even though this is not Easter Sunday, it's also not Quasimodo Sunday, and as the time goes on, we might feel further and further less enamored by the Easter mysteries and the joy we really experience when it turns from Lent to Easter. This is a day to pause and think about, wow, God really did love us so much, he died for us, he saved us, he redeemed us, just like a shepherd would have done all of this for one single sheep to save that sheep and bring it back. So something for us to ponder today is the true love and goodness of God, misericordia Sunday, the goodness of God. Uh, Another thing to keep in mind that I think is a little interesting as we go throughout the liturgical year is how some of the different local celebrations of the year really differ. So One of those is seen today in some local liturgical calendars, like that of the Capuchins and the Archdiocese of Seville. This Sunday was traditionally known as the Feast of Our Lady, Mother of the Good Shepherd. Even though the Archdiocese of Seville now moves this feast as a memorial to the following Saturday, traditionally it was observed this day. And in Jerusalem, among the Franciscans, this Sunday used to be known as the Feast of the Holy Sepulchre. Uh, those are two things that we can you can look up if you have some time, as the Feast of the Holy Sepulchre, as well as the Feast of Our Lady Mother, the Good Shepherd. But they also underscore the great spirituality that should be lived out and experienced during these Easter mysteries that we are still experiencing. On to topic number two, though, is I think it's very worthwhile to talk about the upcoming Feast of St. Mark, which coincidentally is Rogation Day. And I will have different notes in the show notes with uh, information on Rogation Days and practices we can do as a family to live those out. But Rogation Day also almost always happens to fall on the Feast of St. Mark. There might be some exceptions in years, for instance, when Easter falls on the very latest date it can ever fall, which is April 25th. There would be some changes, for instance, in that year. But April 25th is the Feast of St. Mark, St. Mark the Evangelist. He, who is he? Well, he's one of the four gospel authors. He um, likely was the unnamed young man present at Jesus' arrest, mentioned in the gospel according to St. Mark, That is uh, in chapter 14, verses 51 to 52. We know he was the son of a Christian woman in Jerusalem named Mary. He had a miraculous escape from prison. He was the cousin of St. Barnabas. 
He had a falling out with St. Paul, but was later reconciled when he visited St. Paul in prison, and the gospel which he wrote was probably written in Rome around the year 60 AD. He is the patron saint of evangelists, and we can learn much by his example, how we should also be evangelists, not just in our words, but in our works as well. We are all sinners and in need of God's mercy, but are all called to live out according to our state in life, whatever we can do to spread the faith to others and to save souls. Now, I had the the privilege, um, I believe it's been two years now, since I visited St. Mark's Basilica in Venice, Italy. And St. Mark's body is buried under the high altar in that beautiful basilica there in the main plaza in Venice, something that you should definitely visit. Of all the churches I've visited in the world, those in Venice are interesting because they're so against pictures. So I have very few pictures of there. They don't really allow pictures in any churches at all, which is quite a shame since they really do show and indicate the great awe and beauty of Christian art, and it can do much for evangelization. But St. Mark's Day was kept not just uh, by those in Venice, but other people with great solemnity. For instance, in my research from a couple of years ago, I discovered that in, for instance, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California, that area, when it was just Western colonies in the modern-day United States, well, those, those areas fell under the ecclesiastical province of Mexico, and their feast days and fast days were generally regulated uh, by um, uh, the Third Council of Mexico, which took place in 1585. And in that listing, which I found from American Catholic Quarterly Review, it stated that these particular areas, the faithful observed as holy days of obligation, some rather unusual ones that others did not. For instance, they observed Saints Fabian and Sebastian on January 20th. St. Thomas Aquinas' day on March 7th, St. Mark's day on April 25th, St. Barnabas on June 1st, the visitation of the Blessed Virgin Mary on July 2nd, St. Mary Magdalene on July 22nd, St. Dominic on August 4th, the Transfiguration Day of August 6th, St. Francis on October 4th, St. Luke October 18th, St. Catherine on November 25th, and the expectation of the Blessed Virgin Mary on December 18th. That last one isn't even on the universal calendar. Those are all very unique and interesting. It really shows how different areas of the world really highlighted certain feast days above others. That's the only instance I can find of any place in the New World that kept St. Mark's Day, actually, as a holy day of obligation. Of course, that ended some time ago. But it does go to show you that all of the feasts of the evangelists, in addition to the apostles, were held with great esteem. So we can do what we can to observe and remember St. Mark this Tuesday on Uh, on um, April 25th, which happens to be Tuesday this year, reading his gospel would be a great activity for the day. But it also happens to be the Major Rogation Day. Now, the Major Rogation Day is on April 25th, and it coincidentally is the Feast of St. Mark. Now, it's not on there because it is St. Mark's Day. Some people have a bit of a misunderstanding on why there's two different Um, observances on the same day. And you would actually see this in a monastic tradition where monks might celebrate one Mass in the morning, that of the feast, and then um, in the afternoon, a second Mass, actually, for the ferry. We see this during Lent, too. If there's a feast day during Lent, there would be two different Masses that day. And the times of the Masses would change as well. So what time is Mass was actually a a good question a lot of people might ask, and that's, you know, something you would ask because you're not sure what time the schedule is for Mass. 
But what's interesting, and this was actually highlighted in an article, The Times of Mass, um, this was recently published by the priestly fraternity of St. Peter, Father Rock, wrote that piece, and he said that the question, what time is Mass, actually is much deeper than that, because the time of Mass actually depended on if it was a feast day or a fast day and the different observances of those days. For instance, and this is traditionally around the time of St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, on feast days, Mass was said in the mid-morning. On non-feast days and non-fasting days, Mass was said around noon. On fasting days, Mass was said by mid-afternoon, after which the Romans would break their fast, which at that time meant no more eating beyond the point of completion of the meal, is what he writes. Now, um, the timing of the Mass has really been lost to us. There's not that much of a distinction now anymore, even though you'll see some monasteries still observe it. But that just goes to show you there's not a problem with having a Rogation Day on the same day as St. Mark. They're not mutually exclusive. Now, Rogation Days are days in which we can better um, come together to really invoke God's mercy. Now, Rogation Days, the number one thing that really... Uh, is a highlight of them, is the processions. Now, um, rogation is really referring to the pleading to God. And it seems a little unusual that we're doing this during Eastertide. You know, why are we doing these observances, these, uh, uh, you know, penitential processions, these pleading for mercy? This is on April 25th, the major rogation day. As we'll talk about later on, the three days immediately preceding Ascension Thursday are minor rogation days. So all the rogation days are really occurring in what is the most joyous time of year, Eastertide. And it really has to do with the history of April 25th. Now, St. Gregory the Great really um, fix this day on April 25th. And the reason why is very interesting. I'm not going to go into it now because I think it needs to be fully explained in detail. I have a link to the show notes on when is Rogation Day, why is it kept on that day. But just one thing I'll note that I think is particularly meaningful is April 25th also marks the two times in history when St. Michael the Archangel appeared on earth. Now, the first time was on April 25th in the year 590 in Rome, and the second time was when St. Michael intervened during a plague on April 25th in 1631 in modern-day Mexico. Uh, very fascinating. So the link to the article in the show notes will have much more information on that as well. Rogation Day, the major Rogation Day, is also known as the Greater Litanies, that word litany means supplication and is really applied to the religious rite of singing certain chants while processing from place to place. And that's the hallmark of Rogation Days. That's also why we refer to them as the greater litanies in some lists. What I've done is a couple of years ago, actually, I put together a variety of different prayers for people to say at their home. So if you have a farm, if you have any domestic animals, um, if you have water supplies or springs or wells, even fields or pastures near your home, even if you just want to do a prayer of simple exorcism, that is not a true exorcism, but a simple exorcism against things like spiders or ticks or lice or snake, there's a prayer on there for that. There's also a prayer for blessings and vineyards. These are prayers which uh, obviously some uh, priest uh, would say, but of course some of these can also be said by the father of the family too for the property. I'll have a link to those as well 
Um, think about what you can do this Rogation Day. At the very least, it is a great day to pray the Litany of Saints and invoke God's blessing upon the earth to really drive away all forms of plague, to bless our produce, to bless our fields and our farmers and those who are laboring this year. Lastly, just to highlight a few of the upcoming feast days this week beyond St. Mark's Day. Well, uh, April 24th is this Feast of St. Fidelis, a great saint who's not often talked about. He was actually a great martyr against the Protestants. He served as a missionary to Switzerland, and he had so much success that the Protestants claimed he was a spy for the Austrian emperor. He was stabbed to death in a church by a group of Protestant heretics, and his famous final words as he dying were, Lord, forgive my enemies. He was canonized by Pope Benedict XIV in 1746, and it will be a great day on this coming Monday, April 24th, to read more about his life and to pray for him for the conversion of Protestants. April 25th is the Feast of Saints Cletus and Marcellinus, um, those uh, very ancient saints uh, who govern the church as supreme pontiffs, uh, also give us great examples to follow. In some places, though, April 25th is the Feast of Our Lady of Good Counsel. April 27th is the Feast of St. Peter Canisius, actually one of my favorite saints since he was one of the very first to ever create a catechism. I've spoken before about the catechism of St. Peter Canisius and how instrumental it was in fighting the errors of Luther. He was actually called the second apostle of Germany, second only to St. Boniface. He started many different schools, reformed parishes, converted the Protestants, helped the imprisoned, and so much more in the wake of the Protestant revolt. Um, he was also, did you know that St. Peter Canisius was the one who added the words, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death to the Ave Maria prayer? Yeah, so nobody really knows that either. That was him. That was St. Peter Canisius who we can thank for, for that addition to the prayer. And on uh, this coming Friday, we have St. Paul of the Cross, a wonderful saint too that is probably more commonly known than the other saints. St. Paul of the Cross did much. He was the founder of the Passionists, suffered much for the faith, uh, but did very much to give us great spirituality to focus on Christ crucified. St. Paul of the Cross wrote, when you feel the assaults of passion and anger, then is the time to be silent, as Jesus was silent in the midst of his ignominies and his sufferings. The, and then it was also St. Paul of the Cross who famously said, Christ triumphed over the devil on the cross. Everything is about the cross. Everything is about that. And the, I really do love the spirituality of the Passionist order. So let's spend a little bit of time learning about that and learning about traditional Passionists who are still active in our world today. And finally, this Saturday, April 29th, is the Feast of St. Peter of Verona, really wonderful Dominican, a martyr for the faith. Uh, he was slain also by heretics for the Catholic faith, and we can learn much from his life as well. He was murdered on his way from Como to Milan in Italy. I've been privileged to go through those areas, and I've thought about him when I was there, traveling underfoot, suffering martyrdom, rather than denying the Catholic faith against the attacks which come from heretics. 
There is much we can do to learn the faith and live out the faith this Eastertide. I really thank you for listening. Thank you for all who support this podcast, the work that I do to try to help people live out a liturgical life, to be more informed on the faith, and to really put it in practice. There's so much we need to learn, so much we need to teach our children and our friends, those of our family, our acquaintances. But it matters very little if we don't also live it out. So let's live it out in a liturgical way, frequenting the sacraments, practicing devotions, doing whatever we can to try to live a holy Catholic life and save souls, and of course, saving our own soul. So thank you very much for listening. May God grant you a most blessed Good Shepherd Sunday. Pray and prepare for Rogation Day. Rogation Day, while not a fasting day, is a wonderful day for abstinence from meat. And let's offer it all up for the honor and glory of God. Ad maiorum Dei Gloriam.